The Toho gang follows the legendary blind swordsman as he wanders into town and fights his way through the local gang. It's sake bottle cutting action, tragic romance, and duels to the death in episode 47, Zatoichi the Fugitive. Hello and welcome to another episode of Toho Yara, the Japanese Film Club podcast. I'm Joey Weiser, your host this episode, and with me are my co-hosts V, hey V. Hey Joey. And Alex. Hello Alex. Hi. Hey, this episode we are covering Zatoichi the Fugitive from 1963. <laughs> This is a listener request from Victor J, who had sent in five or six Zatoichi suggestions over email uh, a while back. And um, looking through that list, I I ended up choosing this one, and I'm going to get a little bit into that in a second. (laughs) But uh, first, I want to talk about the director and some of the staff of the movie. the director of this one is Tokuzo Tanaka. Unlike uh, some of the film series that we've covered, Zatoichi has a number of different directors who had come in and out throughout its course. Um, and this is Tanaka's second Zatoichi film. He had directed the previous film, New Tale of Zatoichi, before this. And uh, Tanaka's done a lot of Chambara stuff. Um, he did the first Sleepy Eyes of Death film uh, and some other Zatoichi films. Uh, as well as a lot of the television series of Zatoichi and uh, the show Samurai Punisher, uh, which is a 70s uh, show with Tsutomu Yamazaki that I believe I've mentioned before. Um, So yeah, so this is kind of his wheelhouse for sure. Um, As far as the actors, uh, Zatoichi is played by Shintaro Katsu. Um, We talked a little bit about him probably. Uh, I should have gone back and listened, but uh, we probably mentioned him in in our first Zatoichi episode where we talked about the Bitakeshi Zatoichi. Um, But uh, Shintaro Katsu originated the role and uh, he acted the part for the original 26 films and 100 TV episodes. He's the younger brother of Lone Wolf and Cubs, Tomi Saburo Wakayama and... um, He's also notable for starting his own film production company, Katsu Productions, which continued the Zatoichi series uh, after it left Daie. Um, by many accounts, I, I just kind of feel like I want to mention this. Katsu was kind of a rough guy and not easy to work with. Um, this is kind of a bummer since Ichi is so such a jovial character, but I, I think that you can kind of see uh, Katsu's mean streak in Ichi's darker moments. Uh, especially later in the series when Katsu production starts taking over and 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 Katsu has more uh, kind of say in the in the movies. Um, if I remember correctly, uh, he was also not fun to live with. Mm-hmm. Uh, either yeah. had very upsetting family life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a bummer. Um, but uh, you know he he's excellent as as uh, Zatoichi and and always does kind of bring a lightness to the character that. I think uh, is is overlooked uh, a lot of the time. Um, Miwa Takada plays Onobu, the bar maiden. Uh, she's also in several Zatoichi films as well as Sleepy Eyes of Death. Um, uh, an interesting credit for hers uh, that I saw is that she's the voice of Rudolph in the Japanese dub of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> the Rankin uh, and Bass one? Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, Junichiro Narita plays uh, Sakichi, the young Yakuza heir uh, that Onobu's in love with. Um, he only has 14 credits on IMDb, including, uh, you guessed it, uh, Sleepy Eyes of Death. <laughs> See a running theme here. Uh, but he appears to have stopped acting uh, the year after this in 1964. Um, not sure what he went on to do. Uh, Jitaro Hojo plays Tanakura, the Ronin. Um, <clears throat> he's also known as Jutaro Kitashiro, I, I guess. Um, and also doesn't have a ton of uh, IMDb credits that, and other credits I could find. He's in a couple game room movies and The Return of Daimajin, uh, one of the Daimajin sequels. Um and uh, let's see. And a couple more here. Uh, Otane is, of course, played by Masayo Banri. Uh, this is Ichi's old love. She's uh, in the original Zatoichi movie as well as the uh, the second one. Um, and as the same character. And she has a decent amount of credits. Not a lot of stuff that I recognize. Uh, she appears to be or she's in what seems to me to be a 1960 rugby or football movie with Bunta Sugurara called Five Violent Girls. <laughs> that I uh, would love to see. It looks pretty amazing. Um, and uh, finally, uh, Yagiri, the Yakuza underboss, is played by uh, Toru Abe, uh, who we know from Abashiri Prison. And uh, we talked about him a bit in that episode. He's in the tons of Yakuza and Jidai Geki, basically as a slimy creep mm-hmm. <laughs> all the time. Um, and then, uh, and just... Uh, we can get into this a little bit later, but the score is by uh, Akira Ifukube. Uh, very distinct uh, music, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to touch on um, why I chose this and our, our history with the film. Had either of you seen this one before? Uh, I've only seen the first two Zatoichi films in full, which I love both of those. I hadn't seen this one mm-hmm. before. I would like to guess... Uh, why this was you accidentally chose the wrong quote the wrong film this time if you'd let me <laughs> yeah go for it uh did you mean to choose uh zatoichi and the fugitives instead no oh, okay. that is not the the mistake that i had made actually yeah so this um when i was looking through that list i was kind of like reading through uh summaries of the movies and some criticism and stuff and a lot of the movies are pretty similar. And so when you just read these kind of little snippets of stuff about them, um, they they sound pretty similar and it's kind of hard to tell. But I was like, oh, I want to choose something that Victor wants. And and I had remembered that Otane um, was in three of the films, the first three. Or well, what I thought were the first three films and that she dies in her last appearance. And I was kind of like, well, I don't want to do that one. I want to maybe do one after we kind of separate from the Otane storyline. So I was like, I'll just do four and then that'll be a separate thing. But actually, (laughs) she's in movies one and two, skips three and then is back in this one in number four. So (laughs) I think it does a good job of like giving you establishing their kind of prior relationship and why that's why things are different now without yeah. having to have seen the first two. But yeah, I thought you meant to choose Zatoichi and the Fugitives, which is a much later movie because uh, it's notable for having Takeshi Shimura in it. Oh, yeah, that, that would have been good, too. We should probably uh, look into that one. I don't remember if that was on uh, Victor's list or not. Boy, wouldn't um, it be funny if you had watched that one by accident? <laughs> <laughs> um. 
so yeah so but yeah so i've seen this once before but it was a long time ago i i got the zatuichi box set from criterion around the like maybe a year or so after it had been released it was still fairly new and worked my way through it then but you know i watched them pretty slowly and it's been several years since then so they're kind of a little fuzzier in my mind um so as for the movie itself oh, um you skipped oh, alex yeah, go ahead it's okay. Uh, I very similar to V actually. I um, only seen the first two, uh, despite the fact that I have been recommended several of his Zatoichi movies, and I've had this box set for a very, very, very long time. <laughs> um, I've yet to crack uh, them open uh, and really watch them. So uh, the last time that I'd watched a Zatoichi movie was a while ago, probably right before um, we did our episode on the B Takeshi version. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I didn't remember a whole lot about Otane, and um, I have to say that this movie sort of um, refreshed my memory a little bit. Yeah. Okay, that's good. It kind of works out that you both have seen the first two, so we did sort of complete the trilogy (laughs) of sorts. Yeah, Uh but but also I'd like to I'd like I would like to like just add that you don't need to have seen the first two in order for this one to make sense, just because of the context clues. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So after making some money at a sumo match, Ichi is lounging by a river and is attacked by an unskilled swordsman. Uh, As he dies, the man tells Ichi that he has a price on his head and uh, that Ichi has a price on his head. And Ichi goes to visit the man's mother to both report his death and apologize um, and ends up staying at a nearby inn. Uh, Working at the inn is Onobu, who wants to marry Sakichi, the young heir to a Yakuza family who's uh, actually put the hit on Ichi. And also staying at the inn is Tanakura, a rough, drunken ronin who has hooked up with Otane, a woman from Ichi's past. Um, Ichi and the ronin both crash uh, Sakichi's swearing-in ceremony, both uh, showing off their sword skills by cutting some sake cups. Um, a sub-boss within the Yakuza, uh, Yagiri, wants to kill Sakichi and attempts to take his life in the woods one night. However, Ichi is there to protect him. Uh, Yagiri turns this around uh, for his benefit, though, claiming that Ichi had killed all the men that night, which I guess is technically true, uh, but that Sakichi did nothing to fight uh, Ichi himself and Sakichi is forced to agree uh, to take Ichi's life in order to maintain honor. And he's kind of being honorable himself and not ratting out Yagiri, but he also kind of mentions that, like, no one would, he doesn't have any evidence against Yagiri. Um, so Ichi is tricked uh, into meeting the Ronin, uh, Otane, and Sakichi uh, in Onobu's abandoned old house, where he is trapped by a swarm of Yakuza surrounding the house. Otane pulls uh, Tanakura away from the action, uh, but when she touches his sword, he's infuriated and kills her himself. Ichi fights uh, the waves of guys and uh, finally confronts Tanakura one-on-one. After some sword fighting, Tanakura breaks Ichi's blade, but he uh, has a secret knife (laughs) in the handle and kills the Ronin. And uh, as Tanakura dies, he tells Ichi that it was actually Otane who had originally wanted the bounty on Ichi's head, and uh, yells out, women don't stay 17 forever, uh, in response to Ichi's disbelief. Ichi uh, then meets back up with Onobu Sakichi and the man's mother, who have just seen the hell that he went through, 
and uh, he puts on a happy face, however, and dances off down the road. And we get a little glimpse then of his sort of serious tortured face as the the end pops up and the dramatic music plays. So, uh, Alex, what did you think of Zatoichi the Fugitive? I thought it was pretty good. Um, I did note a few things about just, I don't know why it took me this long to sort of come to the conclu- this particular conclusion about um, Japanese film series as a whole mm-hmm. it's how formulaic they seem i guess yes <laughs> yeah like, like you know of course in the case of you know torasan and and uh, uh you know there's a madonna there's a thing that happens oh look we gotta solve this problem yada yada um am i correct in thinking that every uh Zatoichi movie begins with him winning uh winning something in some sort of game uh, and that's how he gets his money mm. for the rest of the movie or just- not necessarily, but there is always a gambling scene or a scene, you know, that there's these tropes that they kind of mix around, but, um, you know, what they often do is have a gambling, like they kind of com- had this when he cuts the sake cups and he's showing off his like skills. That's usually like something that he does in the gambling scene itself, but they kind of like split it up by having him do the not gambling but the sumo sumo, yeah yeah that was pretty fun i uh i really liked it uh there's something i gotta say about like about katsu's sword play and Mm -hmm. it's it's almost like melodic it's so Mm. it's it's so like it's it's very graceful and uh, every single scene that he is in where he is fighting somebody and cutting them down, it's almost like watching music. Like I can't really describe it, but it, he, he makes it, uh, he has these little flourishes and it just looks so perfect. And I would watch an entire movie of him just cutting guys down. If that, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I'm sure there's plenty, plenty of movies where he does, uh, you know, his fair share of violence, but like, uh, it's, it's, everything is choreographed so well. And yeah, that's my favorite thing about these. It's, and, and I feel like they are, they're always going to deliver on that. Uh, the, the swordplay aspect of it, the, um, the interpersonal stuff I think is interesting too. Uh, this relationship that he has with his Ronin, I am a sucker, an absolute sucker for, uh, you know, respect among rivals. Mm -hmm. And uh, that tickled me a lot in this movie, too. Oh, yeah. And that's a thing that you get a lot with these movies, too, is 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 that kind of that's part of the formula, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Which is. Yeah. yeah, Why I dig it so much. I think his sword fighting back to that. There's also kind of a wildness about it, too. He just like whips that sword around so fast that it, it feels very dangerous. Uh, but then you kind of realize how much control he has because then he kind of like finishes up usually with kind of a slower move after or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I think also a testament to how it's cut, right? Like mm-hmm. how, how these scenes are cut and uh, really beautiful to watch. There are so many scenes in this movie that I, you can just pause. It's, it's sort of it's very similar to how uh, Kurosawa, how his films go where 
uh, if you pause any of his movies, there's some semblance of movement. And I think that there is, uh, is something like that in these movies as well. Uh, particu- yeah. Particularly in the fight scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, v, what did you think? Uh, I really enjoyed this. And yeah, I have to agree, not just with the sword fighting, but uh, Shitaro Katsu's just physicality as an actor. We talked a little bit about it, talking about the first Zatoichi movie uh, in the uh, previous Zatoichi episode, but just like the way he, he walks and moves and presents himself in every scene is just so unique to his character mm-hmm. that like he definitely like conveys so much with the way he moves around and the sword fighting is an extension of that where he goes from this kind of uh, deliberate but awkward kind of walk that he tends to do to just this like flurry of of smooth motion and action and uh, yeah it's just incredible to watch him move through any scene whether it's sword fighting or just like the when he finds out that or when he is told the uh, that they're using Otane to uh, to leverage the samurai and he goes running down the stairs mm-hmm. just like the physicality in that scene like the yeah, it conveys so much emotion um, yeah you can really pick him out in a lineup uh yeah <laughs> like whenever he's on screen it's very clear that he is on screen and and i don't know if that's intentional or not because then you see like a group of these other even if it's goons or or just yakuza members sitting down they're almost like background dressing compared to him i think but yeah i i really enjoyed this uh the the ifukabe score also helps a lot just like the driving drums and horns and everything is very recognizable as being uh ifukabe but like works really well for the movie it's gorgeous (laughs) like everything about this is um something that i wouldn't have associated with like a movie that was or a, a series that was four films deep that I know goes for another like 21. I thought it would seem a little cheaper than this, but it's still very lavish. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let's, let's talk a little bit about um, that score. You know, there's an interesting thing about that. I feel like if uh, Fukube doesn't score all of the Zatoichi movies, but he does come in and out uh, as well, just kind of like how the directors do. And I think he always does kind of, his scores just add so much like gravitas and and depth to everything. Uh, there is a part of my brain that just has permanently imprinted that he's the Godzilla guy, and so there will be like there, when he's sh- when Ichi's showing down with the uh, Ronin at the end, it gets kind of Godzilla y, and I was like, <laughs> I can't help but like think of them standing over a tiny city. You know? <laughs> but um, but yeah, his, ah man, Ifukube is so good. Yeah, so I didn't really notice the score, honestly, until the final confrontation at the end, which, like, that was the first time in this entire movie that I really noticed the music. I was like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And, and and I didn't even, because I'm a bad boy and I didn't do my homework, I did not realize that that was Ifukube. I- and it makes so much sense now because I th- thought to myself, like, this is like a kaiju score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I like this one pretty well. I, um you know, it is pretty like by the numbers Zatoichi and but you can't really hold that against it because it's only the fourth film. Like, I think they, they start to kind of vary somewhat 
uh, more wildly as things go on. Um, but um, I don't know. My biggest problem with this movie is kind of the way in which it drags Otane through the mud <laughs> pretty severely, mm. you know. And, you know, I, you know, I'm all for like uh, tragic, uh, dramatic things being thrown on our hero and stuff. And but I, I just kind of like she was so like magnetic and and great in that first movie and in and, and the second movie that I was pretty happy to like give her somewhat of a like kind of sad but happy ending that she was going to marry this carpenter guy. And the fact that now we learn that she's been kind of bouncing from man to man and and uh, she's very bitter and hardened now. Um, and then she dies pretty like unceremoniously. Um, it's just kind of a bummer. That's another reason why I didn't really want to cover this one is because I remembered being super bummed out uh, by Otane's fate and kind of the development with her character. Hmm. I think it 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 is very sad and a little frustrating the way she's treated in this movie. But I, I like the idea that uh, Ichi, who like generally is really nice to people who are like interact reasonably with him mm-hmm. and like we see as the hero to be like he is he is leaving destruction in his wake uh even when he has good intentions and that like maybe if he's bringing chaos everywhere maybe he should have just like settled down with otane and their lives would have been better and he wouldn't mm-hmm. have brought all this trouble to all these other villages he shows up in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That can be a frustrating thing about Ichi's character is sometimes it feels like he's he can't help but get himself into trouble, like with the gambling and the way that he kind of presents himself at the at the Yakuza ceremony and stuff. It's like you're kind of like, uh, you know, uh, goading these guys as much as you are just showing off that you're not to be messed with, you know? And, uh, and so that's a, that's a thing that I get frustrated with his character, uh, sometimes. Uh, it, it's, I wonder if it has anything to do with just, uh, you, when you watch this movie, it's like you, you have this in your mind, oh, he's blind. So he's got this handicap and maybe that, mm. that plays a part in that particular narrative. Like, this oh we want people who watch this movie to think that he is some helpless figure but as a matter of fact his heightened his senses are his senses <laughs> are even heightened yeah at that point so i it i wonder if it's if it's just a like Zatoichi knows how badass he is so it's it's time for him to to get taken down by his own hubris. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like at least in the first two, that's what it seems like. And same with this one where he sort of flies on wings made of wax, uh, towards the sun. Uh, yeah. That are, yeah. That are also of course made of hubris. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, yeah, sure. Zatoichi is, is the most skilled combatant, but uh, combatant, but, uh, you know, he's also very naive in, in, in some ways. Yeah, yeah, I like a lot that that the movie itself, like the characters within the setting, uh, know how dangerous he is. Like they derogatorily mm-hmm. call him like a blind masseuse a lot, but they are afraid of him, and rightly so. Like they do not treat him as being disabled. They know he could like kill all of them <laughs> at once uh, at the drop of a hat. Yeah, for sure. And and to that point, like 
there's not I, I like that it kind of starts with uh, people have put a hit on his head, you know, and it's just kind of like it's not even really important, like why or what he did. You just know that Yakuza always have it out for him because he's always screwing them out of money. Uh, and he's a dangerous figure that people are trying to get anyone to take down if they can, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that's something interesting and something that's interesting that you can do with one of these kind of film series is start to just kind of build up these things that you already know about the character and not have to like get super in depth about. Um, yeah. So, uh, so V, what would you say is your favorite scene, uh, or part of the film that you wanted to talk about? Um, I feel like going first in this case is stealing, uh, just because the, the scene when he gets enraged at Otani's death and rushes out fighting his way through all the Yakuza Mm -hmm. to, uh, to get to Tanakura is just so cool. Just the way he is slicing through everybody. There's, uh, one particular overhead shot of him being surrounded, standing in some water that just looks so cool. And like, incredibly modern to me yeah um which i that just that whole sequence is i think some of the uh best sword fighting i've seen in from the series yeah there's a lot of like interesting camera work and use of color and and stuff it it is a very like great looking movie for sure very dynamic without Mm -hmm. being like too rushed and and shaky cam or anything Mm -hmm. yeah definitely uh what about you alex Oh, man. I have watched this scene twice in a row. It was so cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's got to be where um, he cuts the sake bottle in half. Oh, okay. Cool. And and not just the sake bottle, but also the dice that he throws in there. Like, it's so fucking cool. (laughs) Yeah, that's like a blink and you'll miss it thing. And, like, they weren't afraid to, I guess, hide that under a bushel in case you did miss it. But, yeah, the fact that the dice is sitting there chopped in half... Uh, just for a split second is just like a real oh shit. Yeah. yeah. I, I I honestly that happened a couple of times in this movie where I'm like, did I see that right? The, <laughs> like the bit at the end where where um he uses the the knife hidden in the hilt. Mm-hmm. I I was a little confused about that. I had to go back and rewind. I'm like, oh it's a secret it's a secret bit. I yeah. I thought that it might have just been a still part of the Part of his sword. <laughs> yeah, you see yeah, that so split crazy, second when yeah. Uh, yeah. he goes to pick him up that he it is pulling apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his sword's like a nesting doll. It's like <laughs> y- you think it's a walking stick, but actually it's a sword. But actually it's a knife. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That 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 whole showdown at the end is really great. Um, speaking visually, like I love the like uh, blue sunny sky. Uh, with those huge white clouds, like it just looks so great. It's so fortunate that they were able to uh, shoot it at that time because mm-hmm. it just like looks hot. Like, um, but I think my favorite scene is actually that night scene uh, where he's uh, confronted uh, and he's protecting uh, Sakichi, right? Because um, I I think it's a really cool mixture of like. Uh, one of those sort of like nature sets where it, I think that that was like shot in a sound studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but I really love that because it looks like stylized where you just get some, a few trees and some bushes and then like complete darkness. Um, and 
you know, that's a thing that uh, also is a repeating uh, motif that you see in Zatoichi a lot is like attacks at night where actually the the everyone else is at disadvantage because Zatoichi can't see no matter what. So it doesn't matter that it's nighttime. Um, But I think it's a really cool like way to play with the blind swordsman thing. And, um, you know, and, and that's our first kind of bit of like real big action in the movie where he's surrounded by lots of guys and gets to do that, that beautiful uh, fast sword play that uh, Alex was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so shall we dance uh, an American remake? Uh, should we talk about blind fury? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say first thing you do is you cast Rutger Hauer. Yeah. He's a Vietnam veteran. <laughs> so I've never seen blind fury. If you want to give me a little primer and the audience, I guess too. Um, so Blind Fury is, um, let's see, let me, Blind Fury is an American movie that I thought, uh, for a long time was just kind of like, oh, we're going to just take the concept of a blind swordsman, um, and do it and, and kind of like speed, uh, how some people are like, oh, that's a adaptation of a Japanese movie, but it like kind of is, but kind of isn't, but no, that like this one is set in uh in like nevada i think in in uh in the west and it's um rucker hauer and it's actually is an adaptation of one of the zatoichi movies um not this one but like it has like uh there's a few zatoichi movies where ichi has to take care of a kid and um uh so here it's a remake of zatoichi challenged which is the 17th uh film of zatoichi uh, where there's sort of a spunky kid that gives Ichi a lot of trouble, but he still is trying to take care of him because he's kind of indebted to. Um, and uh, and it's, you know, a cheesy 80s movie um, uh, with Rutger Hauer. <laughs> 80s or 90s? Uh, I'm not sure. It's, it's uh, late 80s. Uh, yeah. It's actually pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's worth a watch if you like... 80s action films it was actually made with a budget it's a pretty good looking movie like the the uh the camera work and cinematography and fight scenes are all pretty cool and it's got a like weirdly good cast i feel like yeah yeah i saw it uh then this past year for the first time and uh was yeah i thought it was pretty good um yeah, I guess I just say cheesy eighties because it's you know. I mean, it, 80s, it still so definitely is cheesy eighties, but like <laughs> high budget cheesy eighties. Like it's it's a lot better than you would think yeah. from the pitch. Yeah, so it here, occurs. Here, here. Oh, sorry, it, it, it just occurs to me that I don't think I've ever seen a Rutger Hauer movie outside of Blade Runner. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Um, yeah, here's here's just a quick blurb. Uh, the film follows Nick Parker, Hauer, uh, a blind sword wielding Vietnam War veteran who returns to the United States and befriends a son of an old friend. Parker decides to help the boy find his father who has been kidnapped by a major crime syndicate. Uh, you know, an American version of the Yakuza. So, um, yeah, yeah, that kind of gives you an idea. Um but otherwise, yeah, you know, it's the kind of thing I think that it's pretty tied to Japanese stuff by being about uh, Zatoichi being about a swordsman and stuff. Of course, it kind of like brings up ideas about Daredevil um, mm-hmm. 
and things like that. But um, so I, I don't know. I, I would besides Blind Fury aside, I don't know that I, it could super well work as an American remake uh, without having to completely change it. Um, I don't know. I guess there's been movies about like what was that movie about? Like a bunch of people that tried to break into a blind man's house, but he ended up being kind of like a super badass, and it ended up being kind of like Home Alone. <laughs> Um, uh, he was actually spoilers that there's more stuff going on. That movie is terrible though. Um, yeah. but yeah, I can't remember the name of that, but that came out a couple of years ago. He was like a former Marine or something and yeah, right. starts stalking all the teens through his dark house. I'm just thinking of that Simpsons episode where, uh, the guy's blind and, uh, it, what's well, the laddie episode. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and the, then the guy gets busted for, pot possession at the end of the episode. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but Chad, I, I feel like uh, obviously any Chambara movie, the, the first go-to is like setting it in the American West. If you're going to Westernize it, mm-hmm. but like because of the, of Ichi's like role in society there, we don't have like, Buddhist temples that will teach blind people trades that they can accomplish in the old West. So there's like not the same kind of cultural niche to slot him into. Right. No, but I do think that if he do have a blind gunman, uh, so to speak, um, I think the niche of course would just be sharpshooting and people would just be impressed about that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it, I, I'm trying to think of like an analog to to this. It just feels and like a Mel Brooks bit to me. Kind of <laughs> the idea of a blind sharpshooter. <laughs> Come to think of it, like yeah, I I feel like if if they could have, they would have by now turned yeah. a Zatoichi movie into a western. Yeah. I mean, it's got the gambling and stuff in it that could be like poker or whatever. But yeah, I mean, like if you give him a different occupation, like if he's a doctor, actually, mm, like I a think blind if he, doctor. <laughs> yeah. Well, he doesn't even have to be blind in this case. Listen, yeah. medicine was a very different thing back in That's true. the late 1800s. <laughs> you don't what if need you to see a, to get those humors out. <laughs> see, I, honestly, I think like the Western equivalent would to be would be to give him a bum leg or something. <laughs> modernize it and instead of a masseuse he's like a yoga guy or something (laughs) oh man um so takashi shimura award uh an outstanding or scene stealing performance uh alex do you have anybody in mind (sighs) it's really tough um i have to say that the guy who plays the ronin is very um the guy who plays the ronin god uh, I should have done my homework. Uh, that's fine. That's Jutaro Hojo. <laughs> yeah, he's great. I loved him in every single scene he's in. Like, mm-hmm. he has a swagger about him that makes me want to watch everything he's doing. Um, yeah, he has a sort of like animal fierceness. <laughs> yeah, like I had to, I had to do a little bit of a double take because he kind of reminded me of. Um, uh, Mifune's character from Seven mm-hmm. Samurai. Yeah. Like this wild guy. I got that vibe too. Yeah. 
Um, and I knew it wasn't Mifune, but I'm like, who the, who is this guy? <laughs> like, yeah. That shaggy, dirty look that he has. Yeah. And, um, like, I, I think it wasn't like any particular, you know, speech that he had, but he just had this, uh, this energy about him that like really, really made him a cool, uh, a cool character to watch. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I, he'd be my pick, honestly. Okay. How about you, V? Um, I really love Toro Abe. I might have yeah. said this in, uh, in the Abashiri prison episode, but he gives me a real like GW Bailey or Jodan Baker vibe. Oh man. <laughs> and he's just got, he's just such a good, like slime ball villain, just out for himself and cowardly, but always turning the tables to make everything come out his way. And just Boy. like, he's got such a good face, a lot of great face acting it's well there is that him. scene where where he he uh downs an entire six pack by himself so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh yagiri the yakuza underboss who loves schlitz yeah <laughs> <laughs> he is great he is great yeah i <laughs> joe dunn baker what a comparison yeah i had a hard time picking somebody like you know katsu's great as as zatuichi of course uh, I love Masayo Banri um, as Otane, and she really like. But I feel like she doesn't super shine until her last scene, where she's like really kind of giving it, it her all and trying to pull uh, the Ronin away from Ichi and all that stuff. Um, and that look that she gives him, like that they give each other right before he kills her, is like pretty chilling. So she, I was considering choosing her. I, 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 I actually I, do really like that scene where she's like breaking things down with uh with Ichi being like I've I've done some things now like people don't stay the same. Yeah, it's true. Uh that that was good too. Yeah, for sure. Um so I don't know. I, I didn't have like one that I like really walked away from this movie being like that is that's my guy. <laughs> you know, that's my person that I'm that I'm excited about. Yeah, I had to um, grade on a curve a little bit. Honestly, but yeah, like that's that's where I was going. I'm like, oh, that guy's so cool. <laughs> but I do, I do uh, love Torabe. Anytime I see his name in the credits, I'm like, okay, well, I know who the bad guy is, but uh, it's gonna be good. Um, um, I, I would like to talk about uh, Katsu, especially his that scene right at the end when he is like cheerfully dancing off into the distance. I was like, is he, is he going to get another stick? Like what's, what's going on? <laughs> um, but yeah, him dancing off. And then just like, as soon as he hears those women walking the other way past him, it just like a, a switch flips and he just yeah. like gets this like stern look back on his face and the like jovialness that he is putting on for uh for maki his quote mother in that scene mm-hmm. is just gone and he's back to being dead inside yeah actually yeah can we talk about this mother figure a little bit because she sure. she um she made an impression on me a little bit yeah, she has a really that I love the scene where he goes to tell her that he's killed her son and she's that first like, oh, what did my son do now? I don't even want to hear about it. You yeah. know, and then once he tells her that he that he's dead and that he killed her, uh, killed him like she, she has a really good kind of breakdown and then acceptance of uh, Ichi as kind of like an OK guy for 
for uh, for reporting what he'd done. Yeah, I like. like th- oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say it's such a like. There's there's uh, I thought it was really cool to have a figure like that who uh, you know, who kind of understood. The, uh, the the implications of what her son got up to, and that this guy was defending himself. Uh, mm-hmm. She, I think, she even says like, "Oh wow, well, uh, you actually are a good man, or you're mm-hmm. a pure of heart." She says mm-hmm. something to that effect. This is a really good example of what we were just talking about in our battles without honor and humanity um, uh, episode about the sort of difference between like. The word jingi, meaning the like code of honor, is like thrown around quite a bit. And this is like a really good example of the kind of like Ninkyo Ega without it being like super clear cut and wholesome as some of those old movies are. Um, that it's like Zatoichi is kind of a bit more gritty. There's a lot more gray areas and, and darkness to it. But like a lot of the characters are still like adhering to this like code very, very strongly. Um, that's thrown away in battles without our humanity to some extent. Um, yeah, I, I like Mikey a lot as a character. It's, I was, uh, I think it's really cool when Ichi first shows up and he is giving this story and she's like asking him questions and he's like, and Ichi's like, yeah, he, he fought me with honor according to the code. And like, here's this money that he had, uh, that is for you. And like, Mm -hmm the kindness that he is showing just completely bullshitting this woman about how her son died, uh, just trying to make it easier for her as he confesses that he did it. And then the turnaround at the end where she is like, I know you were bullshitting me. I know that money wasn't his. And she probably knows (laughs) that he didn't fight honorably that he did just die in a ditch. But the Mm -hmm. fact that Ichi came to confess and like, used used his real name and and tried to make reparations with her is is the reason like knowing all that and that he still was kind to her that's why she says he's a good man Mm -hmm. yeah ichi pays his own bounty basically (laughs) interesting um i uh i i want to point out that like as you were talking the um the actress who plays maki um uh sachiko murase i looked up her credits and um the last movie she was in is actually one of the last movies uh the second to last movie that akira kurosawa directed rhapsody in august mm. i i looked I, I looked at it and i'm like rhapsody in august that sounds like an ozu film uh, <laughs> <laughs> title does yeah <laughs> yeah right um but it's uh yeah it's it's a, a, a kurosawa film uh 1991 so it's one of his very last movies and richard gear is uh is in, is in it as well oh hmm. yeah Richard Gere, the first weeb. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The uh, the um, the American Torasan, <laughs> as far as yeah. Orangina is concerned. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> for for listeners who aren't familiar, uh, Orangina did a series of uh, commercials in Japan featuring Richard Gere as an analog Torasan. Mm-hmm. But set in France, I believe. Uh, yeah. Set in France, yeah. Well, yeah. well, you know, Japan has a has a, a <laughs> this fascination with with French culture as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's done a few Japanese movies and stuff. Yeah, but he either either way, sorry, sorry to derail that a little bit. I just thought that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, any any last thoughts about the this movie? 
Um, it really makes me want to check out more. I know that like everybody ranks Fire Festival as being like the wildest and maybe best one. I still want to check that out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do want to check out more of these because seeing the first two and then seeing this, it is still like captivating to watch. Yeah. So, so good. Yeah. I definitely want to, it, we, we had a pretty big gap in between doing the, um, the, the beat to catch one in this one. And I think that with our accelerated schedule, uh, as it is at the moment, um, a good thing about it is we can kind of like move through a lot of different film series and stuff rather than having to kind of pick and choose which ones we want to hit every year. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it would be cool to return to this sooner rather than later. Uh, but B, what are we going to be talking about next episode? Uh, next episode, we're going to be doing a, uh, a movie that has been suggested by uh, Jason Chow via Facebook and Gabe at Damon Cores on Twitter. We will be watching Linda, 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 mm. a uh, yeah. girl rock comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I've not seen it before, but it looks very cute. It's great. Yeah. And uh, it it uh, got me very much into the Blue Hearts, the band that uh, it's kind of centered around. Um, so I'm looking forward to watching that again. I had actually just been I forgot that it was on our list. And mm-hmm. just maybe yesterday or pretty recently, I was saying to Melissa, my girlfriend, uh, we should watch Linda, Linda, Linda. So, <laughs> yeah, we can. Uh, notable um, for a uh, for having famous Korean actress, Duna Bay. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, V, where can people find you online? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at VriskaChat, V-R-I-S-K-A-C-H-A-T. And how about you, Alex? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, of course, at Dude Exclamation, all one word. Um, and, uh, listen to me every week on the One Piece podcast. And if you subscribe to the Patreon, um, you get to listen to me and my co-host, Steve Yurko. <sighs> podcast about the (laughs) four kids dub of one piece which we'll be watching every single episode of and um talking about um my life has come to this uh i've never seen the four kids dub uh but i'm looking forward to hearing you guys complain about it and i bet it will make me want to (laughs) see you have to watch it in solidarity (laughs) joey it's actually like super fun to watch just because it's so bonkers yeah like it's it's that kind of thing where like old dubs can't hurt you where it's like well now that this (laughs) we have the good one like the old one's actually fun like that's why i love the kind of old harmony gold dragon ball dubs and stuff yeah they're so weird uh anyway big discussion anything uh anything else (laughs) yeah um please uh superartfight.com uh check it out every once in a while but more than more than more than that uh, twitch.tv slash super art fight every Saturday around 8 o'clock 8.30 we've been doing stuff uh, we've been doing live shows uh, if you're not familiar with super art fight it's sort of like Pictionary meets pro wrestling uh, we basically have these 20 minute bouts where we art against each other the topics constantly change it's so much fun uh, I've been doing the last two live shows I won't be on the next one I'm sitting that one out just to give some uh, the rest of our roster a little bit of a little bit of stage time but uh, every other other Saturday we've been doing Jackbox nights or just casual um, art collab nights so if you want to see some live art 
or some uh, you know pretty funny people uh, play some games uh, twitch.tv slash superartfight I don't think you'll regret it awesome um, I'm at Joey Weiser on Twitter and, and Joey Weiser Comics on Instagram and uh, please check out my graphic novels Merman and Ghost Hog and just uh, launched <laughs> I guess today I don't know uh, I'm starting a webcomic question mark I, I don't know what it is exactly but there um, I started drawing some comics about a town populated by dinosaur people called Dino Town and somebody yelled at me to make social medias for them so please follow Dino Town comic on uh, Twitter and Instagram where you'll see new comics uh, that are fun and upbeat and colorful and cartoony uh, once or twice a week. Uh, and you can see it kind of evolve as I figure out what I'm doing with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as for Toho Yaro, we're also on Twitter at Toho Yaro, where you can follow us to get Japanese movie news and see updates about our episodes and uh, like us on Facebook and send us emails at tohoyaro at gmail.com. And uh, please like, rate, and review on your podcast listening device of choice. And we'll see you next episode for Linda, Linda, Linda. You hero.